0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca.
1: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for any brand in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X.ca
0: on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. 12.36 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Some guests on our show receive your certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow a sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse. 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Go see Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris. Hey, it'd be a great place to go tonight before the game. To Roos Chris. Wednesday night's date night. Tooth and dine for $120. He is uh, one of the most popular guests we have on the show. He joins us every Wednesday and he has for all seven seasons that we've been over here at uh, the 630 chad building since uh we converted from oilers lunch to oilers now we welcome back oh wait a sec here wait a sec brandon what did i do there we go we welcome back from nhl hockey on rogers craig simpson
1: hello craig how are you i'm doing great bob how are you
0: uh not bad not bad Guess we'll uh, we'll see tonight. You know what I'm saying against San Jose. But before we get to the San Jose Sharks, what did you think of the game last night against Calgary?
1: Oh, you know, a game that uh, I listened to Todd's comments after, and some you can agree with. Uh, you know, it was a game that was in the balance, and that easily uh, could have been at least tied and gone to overtime or won. But uh, I agree with your assessment earlier. There was. You know far too many passengers in a in a natural rivalry in a in a game that is close to to be feeling good about it. To, you know it's one that uh, I felt you were bang on the the driver of the game was your captain again, and he made things happen pretty much every time he was on the ice. but it was a little surprising and shocking uh, in a game like that, uh, in a tight one that's in the balance that just far too many guys really weren't able to to make an impact. And as you know, that's been something that's been far too uh, common an occurrence. So, Craig,
0: you know this. I have a pretty good memory. Okay? Right? Yep. And I do recall what your perspective was when the Edmonton Oilers signed Milan Lucic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think we were still on the air when it was coming up, and they, they were talking about it. And I, I think I said to you then, I just... Uh, I wouldn't have done anything more than a three-year deal, and uh, with the no, with the mindset of just his age and timing of his career, the the miles that he's had on, and you know just the potential for a drop-off, uh, uh, I thought the the term was going to be really important. I, I think you could afford to maybe overpay, as often you have to do in those kind of situations. But um, you know, I felt that for sure by the. I think I said near the end of the second year you'd be regretting the uh the deal and you know unfortunately for him this has been one of those years that completely got away from him and I agree with your comments earlier in the show that you know just doesn't look like he has the, uh the confidence or ability to make any plays right now and I you know I've felt that as a player before it's something that you have to try to struggle through and deal with but uh i just haven't seen enough of the other intangibles uh, as you mentioned I, I think it's really important if you're not scoring or you're not contributing offensively that you have to do at least something to be physically engaged in every game uh
0: you watched them a lot over the years working all those games out of toronto that the 2013 series yep. and you know what he he scored big goals for Boston in that playoff series, including... I, did he not get... Uh, he, I, I think he got the 4-3 goal when they got the two goals in the final...
1: Yeah, two- in, uh, I think on the comeback. Yeah, And then he was in on one of them but, around the net. I yeah.
0: had a, I had a, a scout say to me, Bob, uh, he was a secondary leader in Boston. The drivers of the team were charred defense, and Burr's were on it forward. Would you agree with that sentiment?
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question, and you know, I I look at that as a player. There's there's nothing to be ashamed of of being a secondary leader guy. I, I think you just always understand what your role is and how you can complement better players and how you can interact with your team and you know give a spark when you need to. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily anything damning on him as a player but it does change always when you go to another team and when you go to another team and there's an expectation that you can be a guy that, uh, you know, pulls everybody and drags the rope uphill. Uh, I think that's where you can, you know, lose yourself a little bit. And I'm not sure whether even, I don't think here there was any expectation that he would be the, the lone driving guy, but right. I, I, I haven't seen that ability. You know, I look at, you know, to be able to compliment a great player or even two of the good players like uh, McDavid or Dreisaitl, uh I look at that even myself in my career. I would never say that I was a lone driver guy, but uh, you find what you can do to mesh your skills with the top guys. And uh, I'm just shocked that, you know, it hasn't been a better uh, combination. Right, right now, I just think, the way that the play dies with him so often that it's just a killer to have him anywhere near uh, McDavid or Drysaddle because it's got to be frustrating for them. Uh,
0: well, and and you can I mean you can appreciate that and, and you know we've we've had some some laughs over the years, Craig. But the fact is, in the 1990 Stanley Cup Final, you were on the best line for the Oilers, and when the money was on the line, you know, and you've always deferred to Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson in terms of your achievements as a team and your role on that line, you you played a pretty significant part playing with those guys, but you could play the part. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and I I think that's where I'm a little surprised at the drop-off this year, and and I I think I, I know myself, if I were a player, you know, on the second half of my career, and in an opportunity in a new team with some great players, you know, your entire focus would be finding a niche with one of those two. I mean, I'd have a target going. I'm going to play with McDavid, and I'm going to make sure they can't take take me off the line. And part of that is, you know, making sure you're in the best shape of your life. Making sure your foot speed is up. It's not something you're going to need to play with a guy like that. Uh, making sure after practice you're doing everything to, you know, get some confidence back, to get some touch around the net, to to watch video about what you're not doing well, and. Uh, you know not being a part of the team or being in there i don't know how much of that has happened but as a viewer uh, i just haven't seen anywhere near uh, that type of scenario presenting itself and I, I just think it's such a you know opportunity missed uh, i think that would have been uh if i were on a coaching staff or if i was the player uh, that's where my sole focus would be is how do you not find a way to force the coach to put you with the, one of those two guys by the way you're playing. I mean, there's your opportunity to to stay in the league and be a successful player and maybe even do something special. And uh, it's unfortunate that that just hasn't happened. Can he put it back together? I think you know clearly the way it's going right now. It's it. I've watched You know, the problem too is when you're struggling, everybody's got the eagle eye in the sky. Yes. You know, focused in on you. You got the the iso camera as we would say uh, every day so every mistake is magnified and I, I think you can feel it as a player when you're going through that uh, stretch so um what i've seen in the last while bob doesn't let me uh, feel that he's gonna get it over the hump this year and you know that's disappointing because if nothing else you'd like to finish strong and go okay i got it back i think this is going to be a soul-searching uh, summer Uh, I think he should take a page out of his ex-captain and Zdeno Chara, who literally from the end of last season, Bob, started working on his foot speed and knew that if he was going to play at 40 in the NHL at six foot nine, he's got to continue to try to get a little bit better. And that's a real testament to understanding what it's going to take to be successful. And I would put Milan from day one when this season's over, wipe the slate clean, but understand what the shortcomings were, and it's going to be an awfully hard-working summer to try to get it back.
0: Do you agree or disagree with my assertion that this was an organizational philosophy to get bigger and heavier and not something that could be solely pinned on Pete Shirelli? for, because we have a lot of fans Yeah. Doing that on. it, it,
1: it it would be easy too, wouldn't it? Because you know, an ex-player, ex-GM of Boston, uh, looking at a, a former uh, guy that he had. I, I think there's no question that, uh, and and we've debated this a little bit in the last year and a half or so. That you know, the idea for so long was you're getting beat up by the beasts of the West. You go to California and you you can't beat Anaheim. You can't beat LA during that stretch because they're tough and they're strong. Uh, but I I think you know, the boat was a little bit missed or had, uh, ship had long sailed that there's a combination there and, and the, the speed factor and being able to play at a high pace. I think, you know, if, if they could make those decisions again, I, I think they might feel a little bit differently about that decision just because what we've seen in the last two years, uh, not just with, the you know a couple teams in the West look around the league every night, Bob. It's just track uh, meet, isn't it? Like the the pace of most games are are at such an incredibly high level.
0: Yeah, I don't. Well, there's no question about it. Uh, would Taylor Hall be achieving what he's achieving in New Jersey in Edmonton if he was still here?
1: It's hard to say. I, I think, uh, and I believe I, I read a couple of the last articles where you know I think even he has sort of some self. Look and say, you you know, I got a chip on my shoulder now. I felt I was slighted, but I've also grown up a little bit. I'm reacting differently to the coach now. That might just be the new environment, and it's a, it's a big change. So you get out of your comfort zone, and you're forced to maybe act a little differently and think a little bit differently. So it's a difficult one. You know, I, I don't think there's any question that his style and the way that he can play with being able to now uh, have real confidence with the puck like he has would be a would be a great suit. And you you would think that he could have chemistry with uh, with McDavid and maybe make something happen. But I, I've often said that, you know, often in a young player especially, uh and a player with all kinds of pressures at different levels sometimes you need that separation and sometimes you need that little slap in the face uh you need to question you know how you were treated or is it partly due to the way i was and i think he's just grown up and matured a lot so i'm not sure if he would uh given the the environment that he was playing in here
0: what have you thought of ethan bear so far Craig? Mm-hmm.
1: I think for, uh, you know, I've watched them a few times where, as we always said as coaches, at at times you're playing like a flag uh, carrier, you know, a bearer, where uh, you watch young defensemen and they get uh, worried about the physical battle, but they got their stick in the air. And uh, that's partly just a little nerves of not losing body position and trying to play a guy tough. But uh, I find... You know, if you're a, a veteran forward and you've got a defenseman with a stick up or in the air, you you just know that you're able to move freely and, and get around and make plays. And so I think part of that confidence as a young player is to to have really a good active stick. And, you know, I think he's still finding his way to, to keep up to the pace of the thinking and the speed of the game, but uh, he's handled himself well. And I think, as we mentioned, I think, last week, uh, you know, uh, I, I think right now uh, this is the time of year and the way that the season is done and say, you know, you've got a guy who hasn't hurt you in six games. So why not start pushing the development of some of your younger players uh, in a time where, you know, at worst you're going to lose. And right now that's, you're not going to be in a playoff run. Uh, I, uh, listening to you earlier, I would have just say, why are you bringing Clefbaum back? That's... That, to me, doesn't make sense to play another five games and then have a procedure. Get the procedure done, get the healing started, and get going. And so that's opened up a spot for Ethan to play, and I think he's, he's handled himself well. Uh,
0: by the way, there would be an overwhelming sense of agreement uh, from our texters on our Westlock 4 text line, Craig Simpson, uh, of that effect. So the position is what it is. You know what's sad about it, Craig? Connor McDavid has been fantastic for about 20 games like he was yeah, brilliant I mean, last night wasn't he yeah
1: i, I thought again watching last night uh, that's where we were talking the last few weeks about well, what do you want to see down the stretch and I, I think if i was a player wanting to stay with the organization and get an opportunity to grow and get uh, get playing you know your captain is showing you every night the uh, the kind of effort that you have to have and Uh, I think it's another testament to him as a player, the way he wants to be the best player every night, and uh, that's what makes the great players just that great. And so, you know, he's been very impressive, and I think that's the kind of thing you need as a leadership role to say, you know, disappointment or not, we we got to come to play every night, and we got to try to be the best player we can be. And, you know, part of it, you could say, I said to you before, there's not a chance that he's not incredibly motivated to try to win another Art Ross. And I I, I think every great player has the team's goals uh, firmly entrenched, but... Let's face it, the team is going to have success if those players play at that high level, and uh, I still think he's holding out hope that he can have a good streak at the end and, and catch up to Kucherov and the rest.
0: Well, he's got some more to do now because Kucherov got three more points in a 7 Yeah, Yeah,
1: he had a little bit of a lull, and that's where he caught up. So. But again, there's the kind of season Kucherov's had as well. He, he's been from day one one of the best players in the
0: league by far. Alright, I'm going to take you to a trip down memory lane because you were involved in this incident as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins and oh. i always admired this about you Craig because this wasn't an area that you were, you know, you could finish plays off you were a great net front presence, smart player could play with elite players but you showed up and you battled as a, as a teammate as well. You remember when Bobby Gould went after Mario? Yeah, yeah I Who
1: was, I the was, was the first? You were the first guy in won. there, weren't you? I got kicked out of the game because I jumped in on him. But uh, no, it was in Washington at the old uh, uh, Landover, Maryland, and uh, you know what? It was partly Mario's doing too. In, in fairness to Gould, Mario was the one kind of in, antagonizing him a little bit and went after him, and Gould absolutely like just one punched him. So no, I, I that's the role I was playing on his line. He's your best player. He's a teammate and a friend and so there's no question that there was it, it wasn't a thoughtful reaction it was just one that you you did instinctively and I, I watched last night the thing that really bothered me here we go before, here we go I know where you're going yeah well it, it's not even necessarily jumping into fight uh what just <laughs> I couldn't believe was uh Cassian after both McDavid got hit. He didn't get hit all that badly, but it was after the whistle, and uh, and then Nugent Hopkins get bumped. And if you watch the replay, it wasn't even that he didn't go in and fight. It, you don't necessarily need to fight in that situation, but he never even changed his body language and never even reacted. Both either a hard stride in to grab somebody and have a talk or even discuss that. That to me, Bob, was more okay. You're not even engaged in the game. You, you don't have to take a dumb penalty or jump in and necessarily fight, but you got to have a reaction there and show some body language that that ticks you off, and you're not going to do that to my best two players.
0: Yeah. Craig, I'm with you 100%. Uh, where are you headed this week?
1: Uh, I got Toronto the rest of the way, so uh, this week we got uh, the Canadians who have had uh, about as forgetful a season as uh, uh, the Oilers have this year, but we got Montreal and Toronto.
0: Have some fun with that. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. That's care. Greg Simpson from NHL Hockey on Rogers, 1253 in Emmons. We'll get to some trivia when we come back in Oilers now. Showroom on Saint Albert Trail fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca that's proamsports.ca
1: This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad
0: Twelve fifty six 56 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer in the 630 Chet Studios. This is Orders Now. Reminder, uh, by the way, apparently they sold the game out in Germany right away. So um, I'm hoping Dennis Alberti and New West Travel can come through. We're going to be doing an Orders Now roadie to Europe in the fall. Your New West Travel package includes flights, hotel, game tickets, and welcome receptions. Reach out to uh, register now for the Orders Now hockey road trip in Sweden. 780 432 7446 or online at newesttravel.com. Two, Stoffer Trivia. Four, Mr. Lube. Winter Driving Begins at Mr. Lube, Canada's leader in car maintenance. Here we go. All right. Uh, this guy, who was once m- a member of the Emmett's No Organization, was before a car accident. Pound for pound, one of the scariest and toughest men in pro hockey. As a member of the San Jose Sharks at 7804960063, named this legendary WHL and NHL enforcer. He had a brief career in the National Hockey League and had maybe the best fight ever, top three fights ever with Bob Probert. Of this player, He showed up at the NHL draft once and had a black eye. And everybody was like, and he was a hulking behemoth. He was a pretty high draft pick, too, of the Minnesota North Stars back in the day. And uh, somebody said, wow, look at him. And Glenn Sather's famous line was, forget about him. I want to draft the guy that gave that guy the black eye. Which player, former member of the San Jose Sharks, had a spirited toe-to-toe battle once with Bob Probert, uh, spent some time in the orders organization as well. Played in the Quebec Senior League. It was never the same after he got in a car accident. Nameless player. We'll have the answer for you when we come back after a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell.